Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. Sunday message. Just, just take, just take. We just keep going. Yeah. Hold it for next week. I can't preach Palm Sunday message on Easter. Then we do Easter the following week. All oh, two sermons next Sunday. Just, just, I got you. I'm tracking. Okay. Whew. Aren't you glad you came to church today already? Holy cow! I should forewarn you. Um, it's twelve seventeen. Jesus gave me this word, so I'm going to preach this word, and if you got somewhere to be, just FYI, it's okay. I'm not going to hold it against you. You can get up and slip out. We won't take offense to it. Um, we know you don't love Jesus as much as the rest of us, <laughs> but I'm going to preach the whole thing, and I'm going to try to get you out of here by 1245. Does that work? Is that a deal? Get you out of here by 1245? Yeah, it's only 15 minutes over, Courtney. Can you go uh, tell the tell the first line of defense with the 24 toddlers that are running around under their feet? They're going 15 minutes over. I'm going to get ousted before Easter. For those of you that didn't catch it earlier, my name is Robbie, and I am privileged to be one of the pastors here at, uh, at Hope City. And um, this is what we do. We, um, we don't just preach sermons. We don't just sing songs. We facilitate opportunities for people to encounter Jesus. This is what we do. Um, and just so we're clear, um, we joke about it and we kid around. Um, there's no difference between what we were just doing and what we're about to do. Um, because both gives us the opportunity to encounter the living God. One in presence, one in word, but the reality is the same. God's desire for you and for me is to encounter him and to walk away different as a result. We're wrapping up a series of conversations that we started a few weeks ago called Unique and um, yes, we know that it's spelled like the makeup brand. Yes, we did that on purpose after we realized that it was spelled like the makeup brand. We left it as unique. And here's why. Because we want to talk about makeup, but we don't want to talk about makeup as in like the makeup brand. We want to talk about your makeup, how God made you, how God wired you, how God designed you intricately and uniquely for a specific cause, for a specific purpose. He has specific plans for your life, and we don't want you to miss your unique and divine calling on this planet. So that's kind of the baseline of this series of conversations. And it's fascinating to me that there's a particular passage of scripture which literally stands synonymous with the theme of this series, but nobody realizes it because of how we use the word in our culture. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 19, and for anybody who's ever had the opportunity to read through the Bible, the entire Bible, you know that Leviticus is a scary book to pull from to start this conversation. Because there's all kinds of crazy stuff in Leviticus. But in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1, God gives the baseline for all the crazy stuff that he proceeds to walk through. The reason why Leviticus 19 is a pretty popular passage 
among church people is because this is the, the chapter that your old Baptist grandma used to tell you why you shouldn't get tattoos because in Leviticus chapter 19 it says don't mark your body, right? And so that's why you shouldn't get a tattoo, right? Because in Leviticus chapter 19 it says you shouldn't get a tattoo. It also says you shouldn't eat shellfish, and I think a lot of you screwed that up the last couple of days. And so there's a lot of things in there that you're not supposed to do. But they're not in there for the sole purpose of excluding you from experiencing things that God created or experiencing things that, that God gives you the opportunity for. They're there for a specific purpose, and the text is there with context. And the context is found in the baseline verse, which is the very first verse that nobody ever mentions. All growing up, all my Baptist Sunday school teachers told me, don't get tattoos, don't get tattoos, don't get tattoos. They would always quote Leviticus chapter 19, and they would quote the tattoo verse in Leviticus 19, but they never quoted Leviticus 19.1 which gives the context for why they don't want me getting tattoos. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 says this, The Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, specifically, now pay very, very close attention to this. The Lord said to Moses, go ahead and jump to that next one, Sean. Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, we think when we hear that, be good because I am good. Live righteous because I am righteous. We even coined the phrase holier than thou, right? Because we think of this word holy as a behavior that we have to somehow earn God's approval or favor. That we're more like God when we are holy, when we are righteous, when we are living according to some standard of being. But did you know the word holy actually doesn't have anything to do with your goodness? The word holy actually has nothing to do with your righteousness. Now, we love preaching that it does, but it doesn't. The word holy literally just means set apart, different, or in another word, unique. Be different. Don't be like everybody else. Don't operate like everybody else. Don't walk like everybody else. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Be different because I'm different. There's, there's lots of gods out there that people worship. There's the sun god, the moon god, the fertility god, and they're in charge of all their little things, right? But, but the reality is I'm not like them because at the end of I am, there is no other word. See, all these other gods say I am, and then they give a name. My name is I am because I am summed up in everything. I am not like everybody else. I'm different. I'm set apart. I'm unique. And I want you as my people to be unique. And there were other tribes that were marking their bodies in, in an effort to try to, to appease their unknown gods. There were other tribes that were, were neighboring tribes to the children of Israel that were marking their bodies and doing things that were dangerous and that God did not see fit for his children to do or to, to take part in. And so he says, I don't want you to live like them. I want you to be different because I'm different. The point wasn't don't mark your bodies. The point was don't be like them. Don't, don't try to earn the favor of God when God has already shown you his favor because he's the one that set you free. Right? Be different. Because I am different. Be unique. Because I am unique. So the question we have to ask is, if that's the baseline, what is it that makes the children of Israel, or fast forward several thousand years, the body of Christ, unique? What's different about us than any other people group that's ever lived? What makes us special? What makes us different? I know that, that we have a God who's unique, but how are we defined as unique 
people? Well, the answer is found in the original calling of Moses to go into Egypt. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 7. God is speaking to Moses in the burning bush. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. He goes on. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, and Jebusites. And now, and he repeats the point, the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The children of Israel were the only people group in all of human history whose baseline and foundation was established on freedom from oppression. Every other people group throughout human history, particularly every major society, has been rooted in and founded upon oppression and slavery. But the children of Israel's separation, the children of Israel's difference, the children of Israel's unique nature was the fact that they were founded in freedom from oppression, not slavery. If you go back and you look at every major people group throughout human history, slavery and oppression were the baseline and the foundation. I've got bad news for anybody who thinks that the Star Spangled Banner is so flippin' awesome that we don't have our own history to deal with. But even the United States of America was founded upon oppression and slavery. Every major people group, even the one that you and I pledge our honor and allegiance to when we salute the flag, was founded upon slavery and oppression. See, we like to tout, particularly in Western culture, we're bad about touting the fact that we, we're here in America because we have religious freedom. Nobody else has religious freedom. We have religious freedom. Our country was founded upon religious freedom. Well, just remember that your country was founded on religious freedom on the backs of slaves. And there were men and women who were shipped over here to give us the ability to have our religious freedom while they did all our dirty work. Let's be honest for a minute and recognize the fact that every major human group throughout human history was founded upon oppression except for God's children, the children of Israel, which were founded upon freedom from oppression. But just like so many of us do, they forgot. They forgot. They didn't forget, pay attention to this, they didn't forget who God was. They had his, his, his tablets and his commandments and his laws and his words. They had his prophets. They had all of that stuff well-rounded in their society. They didn't forget who God was. They forgot who they were. And when you forget your unique description, your unique calling, your unique place in the world, you end up making a mistake and stepping outside of who it is that God created you to be. The children of Israel forgot who they were. Which is why, if you fast forward just a few hundred years, in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 13, David's son Solomon is building a temple to the Lord. The Lord that built a people group on freedom from oppression. The Lord who set his children free. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 13 says this, King Solomon conscripted 
laborers from all Israel, 30,000 men. You know what that word conscripted means? Forced. If you go back and read the original translation, the actual word means enslaved laborers from all Israel, 30,000 men, 30,000 slaves. You say, well, it doesn't say that. It says conscripted. Yeah, because in 1611, when King James translated the Bible into the English language, guess what wouldn't have went over so well? If it had said, Solomon enslaved 30,000 people. That doesn't fit the history books. But when you go back and read, not only in 1 Kings chapter 5, but in 1 Kings chapter 19, it reiterates the point that there was slave labor from prisoners that they had taken from war and from the children of Israel, 30,000 men to be forced to build a temple to the God whose only agenda is setting people free. How do you get to that place where you go from being someone who is set free to enslaving others by forgetting who you are? Forgetting your unique place in the world. Now let's fast forward a few hundred more years to what so many people are celebrating all across the world today. That's Palm Sunday. The children of Israel find themselves with the, the boot of Rome on their neck. And they find themselves oppressed by the Roman government. The children of Israel can't worship the way that they want to without people saying stuff and doing stuff. They can't, they can't operate their economy the way they want to. They can't harvest their crops the way they want to. They can't do what it is that they want to do because they're being oppressed by a foreigner outside entity. Foreigner outside government. And so they're praying for someone to come and rescue them, redeem them, save them. That's where we pick up the story that we read in regards to Palm Sunday. It's found in John chapter 12, picking it up in verse 12. Scripture says this, the next day, the great crowd, you may want to underline that, circle that, highlight that, because it's going to become very important in just a moment. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And that sounds like a really, really beautiful image, a beautiful piece of scenery. It's what we paint in our kids' Sunday school classrooms. It's what we show our kids in the storybooks because it's this beautiful moment where the children of Israel are welcoming their king, King Jesus. The problem is the agenda that Jesus was riding into town commence was not the agenda they were longing or hoping for. It's actually a desire for Jesus to do something for them in the moment when Jesus came to do something much broader and bigger for them. And do you know why they weren't looking for a king to come and save the world? Instead, they were looking for a king to rescue them from Rome because they forgot who they were. It had been prophesied that the, 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 the seed of David would bear fruit, the children of Israel would bear fruit, and that that fruit would be the savior of not just the, ch the children of Israel or, or the nation of Israel, but be the savior of the world. They had seen this, they had read this, they had heard this, they had talked about this, but they forgot about this. Why did they forget who they were? 
because of the oppression that was on them. So often you and I forget who it is that God has called us to be because of what's going on right around us, because of what we can see. And so we say, we're just going to operate like they operate. We're just going to do what they do. We're just going to live like them. We're just going to, 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 to make our standard of living the, the same as the people that are next door, the same as the people that are across the street. We're going to operate like this. And the reason we're going to operate like this is because it's what we can see. It's what comes natural. It's what makes sense to us in the moment. And we forget about who it is that God has called us to be. But when we operate like that, we end up making grave mistakes. Because in just a few short days, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, look what it says. Matthew chapter 27, verse 16. It says, at that time, a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Not Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Barabbas. Well-known criminal who a lot of people were afraid of. So when, look what it says, the crowd. Same group who were waving palm branches, the same group that we, we idolize, the same group that we lift up and say, oh, look how beautiful they are as they're welcoming King Jesus. Just a few days later, that same crowd gathered. And Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Because it's custom for me to release a prisoner during this season. So which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah, for he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. See, when you and I forget who it is that God has called us to be, we begin focusing on who it is that we want to be. And when we focus on what we want versus what God wants from our lives, we miss out on God's destiny for our existence. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Pilate, like most men, ignored the advice of his wife. It's trouble. It's always trouble. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which one of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. And he goes on and said, well, what am I going to do with Jesus then, who's called the Messiah? They all answered, crucify him. Very quickly, the winds change. Very quickly, opinions shift. But it's not because Jesus moved. It's not because Jesus changed. It's not because God did anything different. It's because we forgot who we were. Jesus rolled into town with an agenda. He proceeded to carry out that agenda. And in just a few days, everything changes because they forgot who it was they were. They forgot that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, the scripture prophesies this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Rather than looking for a savior, they were looking for a king. And in looking for a king, they missed out on their savior. So often you and I miss out on what God has for us because we've forgotten what it is that we're supposed to be looking for. The opportunity, the unique opportunity that he has placed us here for and again, it is not because anything about the Lord has changed. It's because everything about us has changed. When I was growing up, my mom made us watch really weird movies. Um, 
and honestly, like, like made us watch, but like she rented or bought really weird movies for kids to watch, but for some reason, that's what we ended up watching. And um, it's not that the movie's necessarily weird, but for an eight-year-old, it was a little weird. Do you guys remember the movie Overboard with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell? Um, even if you're super young, um, chances are you've seen this like on repeat on like TBS or TNT or something like that in syndication. They got a new one coming out, by the way. But they're, they're, that, that shows you how old I'm officially getting that they're remaking the movies that I watched when I was a child. So, anybody remember? How many of you went to the theater when Wizard of Oz came out? I'm just kidding. Um, you, you've been through a lot, I understand. Uh, watching this movie Overboard growing up. There's this fascinating reality that comes to mind when we're having this conversation. And that is that Goldie Hawn's character in the movie didn't lose access to her riches, didn't lose the authority to have her riches, didn't lose anything that was in her name. It was all still hers. The reason she couldn't get to it was not because it went anywhere, but because she forgot who she was. And when you forget who you are, you miss out on the benefits that come with the calling that you were uniquely designed with, uniquely designed for. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When we forget our unique role, we miss out on our unique blessing. When we forget our unique role, we miss out on our unique blessing. The scripture says that Jesus came to his own tribe, and his own tribe did not recognize him they missed out on the blessing that was theirs to take hold of not because jesus didn't show up but because they forgot who they were they forgot their opportunity they forgot what they were promised and when we begin doing what the children of israel did and what i'm convinced that we do so often in our lives when we begin building a heavenly kingdom according to earthly standards we miss out on kingdom benefits we say, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. But we build our lives around earthly standards. We build our lives around earthly priorities. We build our lives around what makes sense in the now rather than what makes sense in the future. We build our lives around our kingdom versus his kingdom. We focus on our freedom versus the world's freedom. We focus on what God's going to do for us rather than how God can use us to be a difference maker in the lives of other people. And when we do, they end up missing out on kingdom benefits and we end up missing out on kingdom benefits because we are trying to build God's kingdom with earthly standards. And God's saying, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's not how I want you to operate. You've got to know that I am calling you for a unique purpose. I need you to be holy because I am holy. I need you to be different because I'm different. I need you to operate differently. And I need you to seize unique opportunities that I'm going to give exclusively you. And you won't if you're seeking to serve yourself. To only move forward with your agenda in mind. And you may say, Robbie, why are you sharing this on Palm Sunday? It's a weird Palm Sunday message. No, this is exactly the message we need to hear on Palm Sunday. Because you're going to have a crystal clear example of exactly what I'm talking about coming up this week. What do you mean? Well, see, God has uniquely positioned you in a sphere of influence at your job, at your gym, 
at your school, with the people that you hang out with, in your neighborhood. He's given you a mandate and a calling, and that is to play a part in bringing those people to faith in Jesus. God has given you a unique opportunity that other people in this room don't have. It's your unique opportunity to make a difference in the lives of the people that are around you. And so often, here's what we do. Well, they're, they're not believers. They're not really into church. Well, they're kind of mad at God right now. Well, I know that if I bring that up, it'll make the relationship awkward. And we start calibrating our kingdom existence based on earthly realities. And when we do, we miss out on kingdom opportunities that God's put right in front of us. See, this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's the one Sunday a year that even people who are a little frustrated or ticked off at God will come and go through the motions because it's what you do on Easter, right? There's three things that are super important to Americans on Easter. Eat chocolate, hide eggs, go to church. By the way, none of which have to do with any of each other. But if you leverage your unique position to influence the life of someone that God's put around you and invite them to come and hear the life-changing message of the gospel, you can make a lasting difference in their life. But if you choose to avoid that conversation, avoid that invitation, avoid that opportunity because of who they are and because of who you are, you miss out on kingdom benefits. So you have to ask the question, am I here to operate in what I see or am I here to operate out of my unique position that God has designed me for. Most of the time, track with this, pay attention. Most of the time, what we see does not, does not, does not in any way reflect God's unique design for our lives. So we have to stop operating based on what we can see and start operating based on what we know. That we are called, that we are commissioned, that we are redeemed, that we are children of the living God, that we've been placed on this planet for a purpose, for a reason, and that's to make a difference on his behalf and the lives of those that he brings into our spheres of influence. But as long as we operate as, well, they're just, they just moved in down the street, they're just neighbors, they're, it's just what I can see. They don't really seem into church, so I'm not going to bother them with that. You'll miss out on the divine opportunity that God has given exclusively to you. God's given you a role to play. Don't you dare forget who you are. The one not-so-weird movie that my mom let us watch when we were growing up was The Lion King. That makes sense for an eight-year-old, right? The Lion King. There's this scene that I'll never forget not because it was super memorable, but because James Earl Jones has the baddest voice in Hollywood, right? Anybody who's Mufasa and Darth Vader has got it going on. You know what I'm saying? There's this scene where Mufasa is talking to Simba, and he says, you have forgotten who you are. And that's why you're out running. That's why you're off scared. That's why you don't want to return. You've forgotten who you are. You are my son, the one true king. And when we forget our place in the kingdom, we operate according to earthly standards. But when we remember who we are according to God's riches and mercy over our lives, then we begin to make a lasting and tangible difference that everybody begins to take notice of. And guess what? 
It's Palm Sunday and next week's Easter. There has never been a more ripe harvest time for you to operate in your kingdom potential. There has never been a more ripe harvest time for you to operate according to kingdom standards. There has never been a better time for you to take your place, your unique role as a son or a daughter of the living God to make a difference in those who don't have a relationship with him than right now. So don't you dare miss it. I used to say this all the time, but it didn't have any backbone to it. It didn't have any uh, undergirding or foundation. But now it does. Don't you dare come to church next week by yourself. Don't do it. You say, man, that's a, that's a, a bold thing to say. Like, we want attendance to be up on Easter. If I can't find anybody, I'm not going to show up because he's being a jerk to me. Like, I, I know that's what you're thinking. But, but I mean every word of it. Don't you dare show up next week by yourself. There are enough people. Listen. Got one minute. 72% of the people in this city do not have a relationship with God and do not have a church home. Don't you dare make the excuse that you can't be used as a conduit for the kingdom of God on Easter to bring somebody to the life-changing message of Jesus. Don't you do it. Somebody asked me the question the other day. They were like, do we really need two services on Easter? I mean, we got, we got, we look like we're pretty good. Like, I mean, we're kind of full, but we got a few extra seats. We should be fine. Yes, we need two services on Easter. Because there should be double the number of people that are here today. Not because you think your church is cool or because you want to invite your friends to hear your pastor, but because you have been redeemed by the living God and you know that your mandate, your purpose, your calling, your commission in this world is to go and redeem others. That your calling in this world is to go after the one when the 99 are still at home. Your job is to go after the one that God has placed in your sphere of influence. If it's not you, then nobody else will because God's given them to you. It is your job, it's your mandate, it's your calling, and you're not going to miss it. So this week you've got a role. This week you've got an agenda. This week you've got something to do. And that is to pick up the mantle that you've been given. Pick up the identity that God has placed on you. And that is an image bearer of Jesus himself. The difference maker in the lives, finances, marriage, relationships of every single human being on the planet. Don't miss your chance this week. Let me see what I'm going to do. This next week, I'm going to hound people. I'm going to bother people. I'm going to start messaging all my Facebook friends. I'm going to start rolling through my phone and scrolling and texting people. So don't be that guy. No, I'm going to be that guy this week. You know why? Because my role in the kingdom is more important than our reputation among my friends. All day long. And twice on Sunday. See what I did there? like that so next week we're going to have our Easter services and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we're going to make the gospel abundantly clear people are going to know without a doubt who Jesus is and why he came and you've got a role to play in that 945 and 1145 and I said well why don't you just keep one at 11 because we wanted to screw everybody up if we keep one at 11, you'll all come to 11. We don't want you to do that. We want to make you pick. Right? 9.45 and 11.45. Pick a service. If you're serving, serve one and come and sit one with the people that you brought. We want to make sure that you've got the opportunity to sit with your friends. 
but be thinking between now and next week, God, how have you uniquely positioned me to be a difference maker? How have you uniquely positioned me not to build on a life of oppression, but you've positioned me to help people experience freedom from oppression? How have you uniquely positioned me to usher in the kingdom and the life of somebody who so desperately needs it? What is my role and how do I respond? And I'm convinced if we ask that question, he'll answer. Make sense? And I got through it. We're only two minutes late. We're good. At least that's how I quantify it. Technically, we're 17, but don't forgive us. God, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to serve your kingdom, your name, and your fame. We ask, as we get ready to leave this place, that you go before us, that you begin preparing hearts now for what it is that you want to teach people, that you begin leading people and prompting people to have a stirring in their soul for something different and that we would be able to capitalize upon that because of the work that you're doing. It's in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.